the 19th Hole Podcast presented by Golf Talk Live and brought to you by Perfect Practice Putting Mat, Yips, and Survivor Golf Team. How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Golf Talk Live. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. And welcome to another edition of Golf Talk Live. I am Alan DePew. We should probably call this one Tropical Breezes Over Sawgrass. I am joined by my illustrious panel. A little short again this week, guys. Not going to lie, but you got the, the best three here to at least carry on the conversation. I'm speaking of Brendan Elliott. Hello, Brendan. Hello, sir. How are you? Amazing, but getting better. And Andy Hydorn. Hello, sir. Gentlemen, we, we might have to start calling ourselves the three musketeers here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we did get a text just a moment ago. We are recording on Tuesday evening. Show will go out live on uh, on Wednesday. Bob is literally on the range. He and I had a similar uh, experience today. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. He'll try to chime in if, if possible to join the panel discussion. I'm sure he's got plenty of things because there's plenty of things happening. Christian, you got to get you doing it, doing his due. He is spending time with his lady. Uh, it is a, a special day for, for Miss Allison. I have had the pleasure of meeting Miss Allison, and she is a lovely young lady. And Christian, you are doing right by skipping out and spending time with her. And Andrew is in parts unknown. We don't exactly know. <laughs> where andrew is but hey i'm sure he's practicing his putting with the perfect practice putting mat and uh, <laughs> putting was not the issue though let's let's just dive right into this I, I was trying to think should we do tropical breezes for the intro andy or should we talk about earth wind and fire i mean it, because the, the field was blowing up it was on fire how would you describe the players championship in not so many words well, I got I have a couple comments, right? I, I, I thought for a while it was crazy, um, a little bit too unpredictable. Um, but at the end of the day, at the end of the four days or five days, if you will, um, you know, the best player won. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it, it was clear when you watched, you know, Cam Smith coming down the stretch that, you know, he was he was making all the right swings. Now, was he making all the right decisions? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. But, you know, when he had to, he made all the right swings. And, and uh, you know, he, he definitely deserved to win. But, wow, what a weird couple of days there. And yeah, before we get into all the peculiarities, I, I, I you know, I, I actually, again, guys, do note, I'm holding this up, folks, so you can't see. I actually have show notes once again. I have not thrown them to the wind yet. Um <laughs> Let's start with Cam Smith. Uh, Brendan, how impressive is that guy when he gets it going? When when he had that streak uh, sometime last year, I couldn't remember what event it was, but the fewest number of putts in a PGA Tour event for 72 holes, this guy can roll the rock. It's incredible how good of a putter he is. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that go into that uh, from a technical standpoint and with putting – Thankfully, there's only a few things technically. It's really about being steady over the ball, being still, being just rocking the shoulders. And and he is super steady 
with with rolling the putter. Um, so so, so that, that's what I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on that because I think the, the folks that listen to us would love to hear. Again, we, let's we, let's dive into some of the teaching components of it. What do you see about his stroke? That's just because I agree with you, dude's money. Well, part of, part of it that goes beyond what I was just saying about the technical aspects, the setup being still over the ball, uh, it, it's a big-time confidence thing. And I remember several of the top players in the world that have been notably struggling over the years with putting, like Sergio or, or some others, talking about not being freed up in their mind, being freed up with the stroke, and they're trying to kind of steer it. He does none of that. And what I mean by that is, is a lot of people – mentally get blocked up and it locks up the swing and they're, and they're trying to basically, like I said, steer the ball into the hole. And you can't, you can't do that. You need a free flowing stroke. Um, you need to trust yourself once you're, once you pick your lines, once you're over the ball and, and basically let it happen. And you see even the best players in the world, especially under pressure. Uh, I mean, Keegan Bradley is, he was on fire with, with the short stick and, well, not a short stick for Keegan Bradley, but he was on fire. And it's it's almost every time an announcer said something like, so-and-so hasn't had a three-putt in so many holes. You jinxed him. You jinxed him. And, yeah. and Keegan got jinxed there and just kind of lost it there on 17. Um, but I just don't think the amateur golfer really spends enough time on, one, practicing their putting, and, and two, really understanding how important it is in the old adage, you, you drive for show, pop for dough. There, there's no other adage that could be more true than that. So, so as a guy who had a nickname in college of, as Captain Scrape because I scraped it around, and I was, and, and I've always been a very solid putter, making trying to make eight footers for par. Um, <laughs> Andy, I hear what what Brendan is saying, but Cam Smith's games all around. I mean, the guy yeah. can, the guy off the tee is just. Except he had a, he did have a case of the lefts on a little bit in the final eighteen holes. Yeah, look, our 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 mutual friend Stephen Yellen, who who basically founded the Flu in Motion Factor, um, which is you know a, a philosophy about accessing you know deep down inside your subconscious brain to be able to perform under pressure and not you know grabbing the wheel and trying to steer things and and there were two shots in particular to me that indicated that Cam Smith was doing ex exactly that. Um, one of them was his third shot into 16. Uh, after he punched out, you know, he had what, 220 or 30 yards in or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And he hit a perfect shot there, like yep. literally a perfect shot. And, and it didn't once look like, like, he was, you know, unsure of himself. And, and the second one was the, the pitch shot he hit for his fourth shot on 18. You know, he's got 57 yards. Um, you know, if he doesn't get that up and down, it's playoff. Mm -hmm. um, and he hits it to, to three feet. Um, so, so to me, you know, it, it was really more about, and you're right, Alan, he hit some bad shots. I mean, his drive off 16T was, was awful, right. like awful. But at the end of the day, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't mm -hmm. grabbing the wheel. Um, well, we're standing in the, we're standing in the grill, you know, watching the final. And he's come. He comes to eighteen, and you know, 
everybody's standing around me. They're like, oh, what's that caddy doing? He needs to put the three wood in his hand and Cam grabs the driver. And I'm like, they said, no, the big dog's got to go. I know he's hitting a few left. He's going to hold on to this thing and flare it a little right, if anything. But the guy's got so much confidence when he gets going. You just don't want to take that club out of his hands. Yeah, I think I think he literally, on his second shot on 18, I think the first shot was perfect, right? And ends up in the pine straw fine. But he had he had a lot of, you know, he had strokes to play with. He had three strokes to play with. Right. Um, but then, then his, uh, or maybe he had two strokes to play with at that point. Um, but his second shot was just a, an error in judgment. Yeah. You know, he yep. hit it too hard. Right. Um, but, you know, as far as being able to stand up and face the music, I mean, he was rock solid. I mean, that, that tee shot on 17. Now, does, does any one of us on this panel sit here and say that he was intending to put it between the pin and the water? on the right side of that hole. I don't think no so. No way. But but did you did you see how calm he was when the yeah. ball was A when the ball was in the air yep. and B when it landed. He never looked afraid. <laughs> I was I, what I was going to say is how how calm he looked over the ball in, in on the swing itself from the tee, the balance. I mean, he was just complete control. That's what I mean. Every and he Yeah, he was he was in control. Yep. That's that's the best way to put it. So some guys that unfortunately were not in control because conditions we have to talk about. I've got so much stuff, guys, written down here. Where do we want to start? Let's start actually before we get to Paul Casey and some of those things. And before we get to the infamous conversation about 17, let's talk about 17 and the conditions in the terms of there was, I believe, only two guys that got forced to play the Saturday round that were at the top near the end of the day. And I believe they were Kisner or, Ke- or Keegan. And I may be wrong in that. So if anybody wants to correct me, feel free. But what was remarkable to me is Keegan Bradley took a two-stroke penalty. I believe it was on Saturday. He, right. he was assessed yeah. a two-stroke penalty. And he was still right there on the, on the leaderboard. Were the conditions unfair? No, I, I don't think so. I mean – Look, they're all playing the same golf course under the same conditions. So I, I can't ever, I can't say never. I mean, there are some circumstances where the where the wind just gets blowing too much, where the ball can't stay steady on the putting surface. So in those situations, which it did, I think it happened to Rory. I think it happened to Rory on on the third round, uh, and when it's happening multiple times. And the in the PGA Tour pulls them off for wind. Those are situations that are far and few or few and far between. But I don't think TPC was unfair. I just I think it was rough conditions. But you gotta you know you gotta play it. And, and there there was a lot of luck involved, right? Like when your ball launches on the 17th hole, and you know you're you're you know susceptible to whatever's going on up in the air. And you saw the way Brooks Kepka just started laughing yeah. at what happened to his ball. There were a lot of balls that didn't get within 20 feet of the bulkhead, um, 20 yards of the bulkhead even. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's luck, right? But, but that's part of the game. And, and it's rare that those conditions would be like that. 
Um, but I got to tell you, Justin Thomas, who, by the way, hit six iron on 17 and hit an unbelievable shot right in the middle of the green, right? Hit six iron. Um, but Bubba Watson and Justin Thomas were bogeyless in that second round. Yeah. And you know what? To me, they deserve trophies. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? This we, we posted that on social. You know, Brendan, Brendan called it. You know, we were talking about, you know, guys moving the ball. I think last week I posed the question, is Tiger the last great shaper of the ball? And yeah. and you commented Corey and then Corey Pavin specifically. And Corey Pavin then chimes in about how what a performance JT did on Saturday. Everybody seemed to forget about Bubba. But, yeah. J, you know, JT obviously – you know, he's the, he's the star of the moment. Do you find it ironic that he's hanging around with Tiger? The guy hanging around with Tiger is a great shaper of the ball. Not at all. No, no, no irony there. You know what I found interesting was, and I never really think about this, is on 17, they they were catching the, rin, the wind direction at the tee, which we, at one point I was watching it, it was coming yep. right at him at the tee, and then the wind direction higher up. And I tell my players that I work with all the time to look, you know, look up at the trees to what the trees are doing and you get a better indication of what the ball is going to do in the air. But that was really interesting when they show the wind doing completely different thing down at T level and, and up in the air. That was interesting. And amateurs need to pay attention to that. In almost every case, it was blowing less at the T than up at the green. Yep. And it was blowing into them on the tee and left to right yep. up at the green. And that's why so many of those balls ended up short, right, short, right, short, right. So I, I actually found and I will post this on, uh, on our social. Uh, I found this really cool article from golf digest. Um, some articles from golf digest, you know, the ones that Brendan writes, so they're, they're spectacular, but um, this, this one is actually, <laughs> it takes, it takes, 17 and compares it against a control group of the top of uh trying to find how many how many holes that they used it against but other 150 yard or less yardage holes the and again this little data a couple years old 3.12 stroke average the others were 2.91 so not even a, a quarter basically a quarter of a shot mm-hmm. so 17 is a quarter of a shot more difficult than these other this control group as a as a comparison to go to, to be stat boy for a second but is it really or is it just that menacing when the conditions pop up which then leads into the next question if anybody saw it best tv all weekend was the the banter back and forth between paul mckinley and brendel chambly about i mean i thought they were literally going to go to blows <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I, I think uh, I think both of them had good points, you know, and, and Brandel tended to take the scientific view of, of the argument and discussing that the shot dispersion for those guys, a lot of those balls in that shot dispersion end up in the water anyway. Yeah, but McGinley, uh, McGinley's point was spectacular. It's a 4,000 square foot putting ring. Right. I get that, but the shot dispersion numbers, they are what they are, right? And and I think, look, the other thing about, about that hole, I think which makes that 4,000 square foot green a lot different 
is those those three pin positions and i yeah. know there's four days but that front one that that back left and that back right i mean it's a small green it's a small green i mean i saw i saw one shot you know most of the players on that on that last day or sorry the the third round were trying to hit it right of the hole in that front pin and trying to be safe a couple of them spun back in the water yeah. you know if you go left of the pin a lot of those spun back in the water so it's it's just 4000 square feet is 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 a little bit misleading in my opinion well but that so that kind of goes to there's another stat out there um the tiger from i can't remember what yardage missed like 25 percent of the greens and it was a re- it was a shockingly short because they're really shooting at quadrants i mean yeah, the guys yeah. on tour yeah. are firing you just rattled off there's there's on that green alone there's i look at that green as right basically three quadrants front left back top shelf and then that far right right corner which they always put it on sunday would they be um, quadrants so if there's only three of them well then it'll be that's true <laughs> that's true new math yeah. guess i guess i just failed the stack sorry sorry i didn't mean to interrupt your point that you were about to make but. no but it was a very sound very sound observation i was just checking if everybody was awake out there but the the fact is do you, do you just in those conditions pull the jt move pump it in the middle of the green with a little knockdown six iron? yeah absolutely yep you know, I, it was interesting. Several years ago, our, our PGA section, North Florida PGA section, uh, they do, they've done this for years. During the Bay Hill Invitational, they invite the professionals to come out and walk during the Pro-Am uh, inside the ropes, help the amateurs in the group. But you get an inside look at what the what's going on between the player and the caddy. And I was with um, Graham McDowell one year. And just the back and forth that I learned that day between him and his caddy. And to your point, these guys aren't hitting like amateurs where they're, you know, lasering the pin or going from a yardage marker in the fairway, you know, 150 to the middle of the green. These guys are doing exactly what you said. They're picking out based on the slope in the green, where the pin position is, what the wind is doing, where their pitch is and whether they're going to have it run up towards the hole, whether they're going to land it beyond the hole and play some slope and play some spin, whether they're going to hit it dead handed, like, like JT tried to do with a little more lofted club and just kind of take the spin out of it. These guys are geniuses when it comes to that. And that's what makes them the best players in the world. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But let me, let me spin back into the water probably. (laughs) Um, Would you change 17? Brendan? No, it's such an iconic hole. And, and I, I think the, the bigger factor of that is the pucker factor. <laughs> it's, it's just when you, <laughs> when you got money on the line, I mean, look at the first day, there was hardly any balls in the water with the full field. Right. And can, yes, conditions were pretty much down that day. Um, but it's when you bring in, you know, mother nature and you bring in, you're playing for X amount of dollars or you're playing to make a cut. That gets to anybody, and it, it would be great to see uh, 15 handicapper put under those conditions and see what happens. Maybe it wouldn't be great to see that. But Andy, same question to you. You changed 17? Not in a million years. I, I think it's, it's, it's a fabulous shot. And look, those guys are hitting gap wedges, you know? You know, with, with normal wind and everything, they're hitting 
gap wedges. And, and to me, it's, it's those pin positions that they have there are so awesome and so precise. And if you want to play the middle of the green thing, that's what derailed Keegan. Yeah. You know, Keegan played yep. from the middle of the green. He didn't want to, you know, get it too deep into the green risking going over. So his ball ends up, you know, spinning back all the way down the front. He's got a, a long uphill downhill putt, which are my least Delicious. favorite putts in golf. Yep. You know, the uphill downhill and, and it costs him. So to me, it's a fantastic golf hole. Do you, do you find a, you know, back to the, the Brendel and, and McGinley conversation, do you find it ironic that most of the, most of the European players were of the position of, well, it's just a little wind. We're playing in the wind. We've got to play the conditions. And and some of the uh, American players were like, well, you have to protect the field. Yeah, I don't know if I really Am I reading that. too much into that? I, I heard that from Brandel. I don't know that I heard that from the players. And I think right. I think Brandel tends well, to Well, Kis- Kisner in particular. Kisner, Kisner was talking about how unfair it was. Was he? Yeah. He was he was pretty much speaking his speaking his mind. Yeah, yeah, I I I get it. Look, I get it both ways. I get both arguments, but it makes for again, good TV. That's his it makes role. for TV, and it was such a rare day. I mean, look, there there's not going to probably in the next thirty years not be a day where the wind's gusting forty at at TPC for the for the Players Championship. So. Yeah. It's a rare occasion. And, and look, you know, you, you can talk about the, the field splits. You know, there's the guys who went early on Thursday had a huge advantage um, to the guys that went late Thursday, early Friday. Huge yeah. advantage. So that's the luck of the draw. I, be, I believe uh, Harold Varner was uh, early on Thursday, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He actually got that, got out, got that big lead. He actually gave four shots back in his last two holes on, on Thursday, I believe. I think yeah. he made tri- oh, I think he went triple bo- triple on uh, 17 and then bogey on 18. Um more controversy, more conversations, lots of drama. Um we're going to I'm going I'm interested in hearing your opinions. First one the the big one that's getting a lot of a lot of traction out on social media is ball drop. So to set the stage, um now my mind just went blank. I know. I know my boy Hovland was involved. Bur- Burger Hovland. In there Bay. you go. Yeah. Take it. Take it. Take it, Andy. Yeah. So, so for for the listeners, Burger peels a shot from the middle of the fairway, crosses over the the penalty area line, and goes in the water. Um, and they get up, and he's ready to take his drop. And Hovland and Damon are are you know starting to to protest where he was taking the drop and Gary Young came out who uh, is an old friend of mine, actually. Um, nice and, name drop. I love it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> a new England guy. Well played. Uh, Bobby knows him too. Um, but anyway, you know, they, they went and, and got into it a little bit as, as everybody saw about where the proper drop was to me, every time I've ever, been in a in a tournament and had a situation like that the proper procedure is you go up and you ask your players hey are you guys okay with me dropping here do you think this is where i crossed and and they didn't do that burger didn't do that right so it ended up being a a little bit of an unnecessary back and forth that that you know and i believe burger was correct by the way um there's a there's a video on social media that shows 
you know, the shot tracer, where's ball started and, and where it finished, obviously. And, and I believe Berger was correct, but, but I think the procedure, I think is what made this a little bit more of an issue than it had to be. Well, I do remember Joel Damon making some comment. Well, if you're saying it was here, it would have had to cut like 25 yards in the last 20, right. 20 feet or something like that. So that was the, the little back and forth that they were yeah. having. Mr. Elliott, what's your, what say you? I say ditto. I mean, everything Andy said was exactly what I was going to say. But, you know, I I, I think it's important. Uh, maybe it, it, it events or specifically holes at events like a TPC on, on 18 and or 17 or 16, where you have these situations that could come up to have a couple extra volunteers, volunteers there to, to spot, to see. I mean, they have the, the tour guys have the luxury of, of TV to help out, but that's not always readily available for them. Uh, maybe on a lost ball when you're trying to get within that three minutes to find your golf ball, you can, you can get some assists from the TV, but I was going to um, say, what I mean, there, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, every other major sport out there is implementing some type of replay. What if you, what if you had shot tracer? What if you had some kind of replay that was mounted on a golf cart right there that uh, Gary Young could take a look at and, and offer some opinion? Yeah, that. I mean that. I mean, to me, there's your solution. And again, I agree with Andy how how typically the way it's supposed to go. You're, it's, it's a conversation for you, you and your playing partners to decide on, on, and it's your decision, whether you look at video later on and it was right or wrong or in, or, you know, or in the middle, it's your decision as the player and the players that are with you to make that decision. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that would help. You want to, you know, protect pace of play, obviously, but there's, there's definitely some merit to having those, those tools right there. Yeah, which brings us to amateur golf tip of the week, which is, you know what, if you're in an event and you're playing with people, the way to do it is to have a conversation with them. Make sure before you drop, make sure that you get some sort of a resolution between the group as to where the ball crossed into the penalty area and where the drop is. I concur. So we're going to say we're going to call this bad luck tip, bad luck of the week. Poor Paul Casey. Have you ever, I mean, all three of us have been around the game a long time. Have you ever seen that bad of luck from 300 yards out to have it land perfectly in a pitch mark? That's, that's crazy. And for me, it launched my TikTok career. So I'm really <laughs> happy about that. <laughs> would you like honestly, give, hey, would you like to give a plug for that at this point? Would you? <laughs> I think I just did about as much as I could do, but, but seriously, you know, he said it was his best drive of the day and you know, it rolled probably 20 yards. Whoever made that pitch mark carried it three ten, <laughs> So it was a bomb and there's not many people in the field. So just knowing the number of pitch marks that are at the three ten mark yeah. has to be really small. And for his ball to, to find that thing is ridiculously so we're gonna we're gonna complain he's gonna complain that it was either bubba jt um, (laughs) could be dj could it be it's a very select category can't be many of them i'm gonna play i'm gonna play devil's advocate is it fair brendan uh god rubber the the green by the way my plug name of my article on linkedin for that i put out monthly rubber the green 
I, you, you gotta always say that and be okay with it that you know that stuff like that happens in golf but that was that was a tough one for sure he was you, i mean usually you don't, you're usually they take pretty good care of of the divots they fill it in or they tap it down that was just a very unfortunate situation is all but i mean you could just the, the poor guy i mean and obviously for obvious reasons i mean he gouges it out which i thought was remarkable right but he was still spitting and sputtering about it as he's trying to hit that approach shot. If he hits the approach shot and gets it over the ridge and not have it sucked down into the to the retention area, he makes birdie. Cam makes par. Yeah, it's a whole different ball game those last two holes. He got another bad bad situation uh, with the sprinkler head up by the green too. If it was, I believe the rule is if it's within two club lengths. Uh, of the green, he would have been able to get relief, and he was just outside of two driver club lengths from the edge of the green. So, and yeah, you could this, see it; you could this, see he was disgusted. <laughs> this, this to me though is why golf is just right because, yeah, not because of that break that he got, but at the end of the day, Alan, your point is spot on. He's out there, ninety some yards from the hole, hitting his third shot, and he didn't put a good swing on it. Yeah, right. He didn't make a good shot and, and Cam Smith made good shots. Right. So, so at the end of the day, it was a terrible break. And I thought he handled the break. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you, Brendan. Once he got down to the, to the drainage thing near the green, it, he was a little, little bit. I, know, I think at that point he was boiling over. He's like, how much more can I get screwed on this? Right. <laughs> right. But, but again, at the end of the day, if he hits a good wedge and makes birdie, that's, that's what he needs to do. Right. And he, and he didn't do it. Right. So folks, we're going to, we're going to shift gears a little bit here. This is obviously St. Patrick's day week. And I just have to reference this. <laughs> if you can see what I'm seeing on zoom, Brendan Elliott is decked out in all green. <laughs> He's even got a green Arnold Palmer hat on. <laughs> do you, Got any thoughts? Is this is this uh, a festive week for you, sir? Just take my name into account. I was just <laughs> going to say, Brendan Elliott. <laughs> Enough said. Yep. Enough said. Oh, and, and here I'm sitting over here lamenting the fact that my hairline's stimping at about a 15 right now. So, <laughs> you know, before we move on, this is an episode we could spend forever on because there was just so many stories. Not, not so my hair. Stuff. You can't spend. You can't spend it. On <laughs> well, no, maybe not there. Maybe not. But the, <laughs> I mean, DJ shooting a sixty-three and Lahiri, his play over the over the last two days, and just so many great storylines. As, as is every year at, at Sawgrass. My uh, shout out to my son. Now I, I need to tell him that one eight hundred gambler. Um, he texts me and says. <laughs> Dad, I just put five dollars on, on him. Has he got a chance to win? I know he's never won on the tour. <laughs> like, who did um, he put five dollars on? Uh, Lahiri. At what <laughs> point in the tournament? Right at the beginning of the fourth round. Wow. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I was going to pay off like one seventy. <laughs> he played. He played a brave, a brave fourth round. You know. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think there was another stat that that was pretty interesting that. You know, the the leader going into the last round breaking 70 has happened only like twice. Yeah. And I yeah. might be wrong about that, but I think it's it's something pretty close to being 
being the case. And, you know, I, I just think that's pretty awesome. And a shameless plug quick, if I can, I did an article on PGA.com about Lahiri's comment with Todd Lewis after the third round about he was hitting his irons awful and going into the week and he, he changed his swing weight. Yep. And that is such a big thing that amateurs don't pay any attention to. If your club's too heavy or too light, you just, your, your tempo gets all off and I could go on and on about that, but you can go to PGA.com and look at that article or explain about swing weight. We have successfully, we have successfully each plugged something from our, <laughs> <laughs> from our own sphere, right? <laughs> Bobby, when we need him right now, reimagine yeah. golf. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Brendan, you want to throw anything in there about little linksters at this point? I mean, you might as no, well. I'll save it. I'll save it. <laughs> That's next week. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, hey, they're they're staying in Florida, but they're heading towards the uh, the West Coast. They're over at Innsbruck this week. Um, any thoughts? I, and I'll, I'll tell you what what caught my eye is that there is actually some big names, and I didn't say actually because Innsbruck or the Valspar doesn't attract big players. I said actually because it's sandwiched right between the players and a World Golf Championship event, but. Committed to play. Uh, I have it here. Hang on one second, if you will. I think Morikawa is playing. I think DJ's playing. Hovland's playing. Uh, JT's playing. Xander's playing. So there's going to be some. I mean, the field gets a gets a A. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody got any fields on uh, who you got field coming out of Sawgrass to there? Well, I know you're going to pick Hovland again, so. No, I'm going to switch it up. I'll t- well, let me let me say this. I I actually thought going into the final round, I thought Sam Burns was going to get it done. I was watching him, yeah. And he kind of melted. He did. Yeah, I was really shocked. He was, he, I thought he, I thought early on Sunday, he looked like he was in control of himself and his game. But uh, yeah, when they put the peg in the ground for the fourth round, he kind of went by the wayside. Yeah, he sure did. So I'm not going to take Hovland. I'm going to take Sam. No, Hovland will win. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Hovland's, like, got a chance to win every week. So that's that's usually a pretty good pick. Um, And I like like the field. I think think it's a testament to the Copperhead course at Innisbrook and and how much the players respect that place and like it. And, and, uh, you know, I think it's interesting when you look at some of the great players in the world, like Brendan, you talked about DJ shooting 63, you know, DJ has been on the back burner for a while. Yeah. You know, I get the feeling that that Shoffle is, is a little bit on the back burner right now, you know, and, and you kind of wait for some of these guys to, to catch a little bit of, of fire and, and start to, to do the things that, that everyone knows they're capable of doing. So um it's interesting to watch and and uh you know as as the as i said last week the the golf season begins at the players and and i think it really did happen and it's going to be an interesting few months now to watch watch who's on and who's not so or uh brandon i'm gonna throw you a a sleeper pick russell knox is going off right now at 55 to one good pick i mean i granted 
Sawgrass is where he, I believe, where he hangs his hat. So I think he plays there a lot. And, and there's a lot to be said to that. I mean, Cam Smith is another great example. They don't get to necessarily play the course a bunch because it's super busy out there, but they're there all the time practicing. But that's a good pick. I mean, that's a good dark horse. Um, I want Harry Higgs to win. I mean, he's not my pick. I'm not going to go on record saying he's my pick, but I, I really want him to break through because I think he'd be really good for the tour. Uh, and not just because he lifted his shirt up at, at the waste management, but, you know, I, I just think he'd be great for the tour. I think my pick is going to be, I'm looking at here, I, either DJ or HV3. I love Harold Varner. I just think he's he's another good example of a player that could really, you know, do a lot for the tour with his presence out there and definitely would get in a win. Andy, did I hear who your pick actually was? No, but because it's St. St. Patrick's Day week, I'm going to pick an Irishman. Um, just which one? I, I think <laughs> I think I'm going to pick Lowry. I hope he's in the field. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't know. Know. We'll have to check if he's yeah. even in the field. Yeah, if he's not, in the field. I'll I'll take next next available Irishman. <laughs> All right, we're coming to the 18th tee, so we got one last story before we get to the green and, and final thoughts. Uh, news coming out of Florida, Nelly Corda taking a step away blood clots in her arm guys hear anything more about it um i know she posted out on her social media to respect her privacy etc etc um any thoughts from rule number one there my my immediate thought is you know these players on either tour are some of the best conditioned athletes in the world and not just physically, but, you know, is that why you're picking Harry Higgs? Well, no, no, (laughs) (laughs) that's why he's a dark horse. Yeah. Um, But it's, it's scary. I mean, the best conditioned athletes in the world can have stuff like this pop up and it just means we're all vulnerable to, to something like this happening. And it's just, uh, you know, it just reminds us that, that, you know, life is precious and we need to really be mindful of taking care of ourselves because you just never know when something like this can come up. Hopefully, you know, it sounds like she's going to be fine, um, but it's scary for sure. Yeah, I'm with you, Brendan. I, I think it, it is scary and and she's a bona fide superstar um, that needs to be playing golf. So hope she gets back and in, in playing golf soon. And, and also, should we should recognize Nana Courts Matson first yep. LPGA victory, uh, Denmark, right? So that, yep. She's yep. Yep, Danish. Yep. yep, Danish professional first LPGA victory. Huge shout out to her. Either of you had any uh, opportunity to run into her? I tell you what, another shameless plug. I did an article about her too on PGA.com. She really <laughs> held it together, I and mean, she. She had a one-stroke lead going into the final round. She stretched it to four shots through 15 on the final round, but then kind of stumbled, and she she threw one in on 18, which is a par five, into the grandstands and made a bogey, and that was her second bogey in the last three holes. But she hit a beautiful shot in the second playoff hole, that same par five, and knocked it to uh, three, four feet and knocked in the eagle putt. So... That again, I just I'll say it all the time. That's well, you've gone this far. Guys... Do you want to elaborate more on what the article was about? No, no, I'll leave it to people. 
to to go read it. But it, I, it just goes to show that these best players in the world are that for for very good reason is they're able to put past any bad things that happen, and that's what makes them the best. Andy, any thoughts? No, I I agree with Brendan, and and uh, you know she's definitely one of those up and comers, and you know he's, she's been in the mix a lot in the last 12 months and agreed. Uh, I'm guessing that, that that's going to last for a while. 18th hole, 18th flag, putting the stick in you you go first, sir. What is your final thoughts for the week? Which, which sir are we talking oh, that about? That would be you. Sorry. Oh, I, point, okay. I pointed to you, but you didn't, you know, <laughs> yeah, you. Oh, I could tell who you're <laughs> pointing to, right? <laughs> you're in the fourth quadrant. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I'm going to piggyback on, on kind of the, the point I had last week at the end, which was, you know, golf season's here. Um, and, and it was a great, great week at, at Sawgrass. And, and uh, you know, we got the Valspar, we got World Golf Championship, Augusta's coming up, the PGA after that. I mean, it's going to get fun after this. And, and finally, for all of us golfers out here, the weather is going to start to turn except for you, Brendan, I know, yeah. um, but the weather is going to start to turn and we can well, all it's going to turn. There. It's going to turn hot. Oh yeah. Good. <laughs> Hotter, the better. Brendan, any thoughts? Final thought. I just can't wait to Augusta, my favorite week of the year. And I, this will be the first time in two years, thanks to COVID that I'll be able to get back up there and, and walk on those hollow grounds. So looking forward to that. On that note, truth, I've never actually been. Oh, I missed my when I was a PGA member, I missed my opportunity to go down there a couple of times, and I regret that hugely. Uh, my final thought, actually, one again, Christian's not here. I got to give the plug. Continue to follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're on all those. We're constantly po posting there. We always want some good dialogue. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what we're posting. And my other one is. Don't be that guy. If you followed our social media today, you knew I was in a range picker and I was, I was surfing around. Don't be the guy that shows up, grabs a bucket that happens to be laying there and walks out <laughs> in front of the range tee and picks up eight, eight to 12 balls. Don't be that guy. That's my final thought. Okay. You know what? Uh, to piggyback on your final thought, that needs to be a feature every week. Don't <laughs> be that guy. We don't all be that need guy. to have, we all need to have a, don't be that guy every week. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Don't open your glove while you're you're, you're, you're playing partners putting unless you're guy. trying to win money. Yeah, don't, don't be that guy. <laughs> I got a lot. I got lots of them. <laughs> and on that note, Brendan, we're going to try it again. Christian's not here. Don't hit it long or hit it long and straight because it's better than hitting it short and crooked. Perfect. You're awesome, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30 plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. 
That's 717-554-8519.